Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do that. Get your sermon notes out. We're going to have some fun today. As we continue this series in Exodus, and I, I want to tell you right up front that, uh, first of all, as you know, my wife and I are leading a team to Nicaragua this, this um, I think this Friday or Saturday we leave. I, I leave dates up to my wife. I, I just go where she tells me to go type of thing. And um, so I, I'm pretty sure it's Saturday. Is that when we leave? Saturday. And so next Sunday morning, Pastor Pat is actually going to continue this series on, on Exodus. And he's going to take you up to the crossing of the Red Sea. And he's going to talk to you about um, not only what to do when your back's against the wall, but really uh, what to do when you're just dissatisfied in life. Then it's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss that next Sunday as Pastor Pat. He's a, I'm telling you guys, he's a great communicator. He's a great preacher. And then the, the week after that, I'm going to be back, and I'm going to be teaching the final segment of this series. And we're going to talk about uh, how, how the Israelites crossed over into the Promised Land. And, and really, we're going to talk about uh, battle after battle, but also grace after grace. Or you could say glory after glory. And it, it's going to be wonderful. It, it's going to be uh, the two are, are really tied together, and I'm going to teach that to you in the Word of God. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. So make sure that you're here over the next couple of weeks as we continue this Exodus series. And today, we're going to talk about uh, more in depth about something that I just brought up in passing uh, in the last week or two about Moses and the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. So make sure you're there, either at the top of your sermon notes or in your Bible. And this is out of the NIV. We're going to read the first 10 verses, and then we're going to break this down. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I mean, you would too, everybody. You would too. You'd go check it out. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God, God called to him from within the bush. Now, I just found this to be interesting. Have you, ever guys, have you guys ever caught, caught, caught on to this where we always talk about God in the burning bush? But did you notice it says the Lord that, that when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. When God saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. I think that that, te that teaches the, the omnipresence of God. Isn't that amazing? Remember that the, the, all of Scripture is really authored. It's penned by men, but authored by the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that's coincidence at all. And that's just a little side note for you, that, that God not only, only sees from afar, but he sees, he's right there. I mean, he's just right there. And uh, it's the omnipresence of God. So he called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And again, you would be too. You'd be afraid to look at him too. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the the misery of my people, Egypt. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them, the Israelites, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. You know what's happened. Uh, remember that, that Joseph uh, rose to power in, in, in Egypt under Pharaoh's command, and that he, had the, the, he interpreted these dreams, and they were able to save up a bunch of food because of the famine that was coming. So they saved up, and then when the famine hit, uh, they were able to disperse food and not suffer too much loss. And you know that his family, um, actually Jacob and all of Joseph's brothers, they came down from Canaan, actually. They came down to Egypt, and they just... They, they just all of the Egyptians that came down, they just kept multiplying, get bigger and bigger and bigger. Pharaoh realized one day that, wow, the Israelites were up to 2 million people, and he got scared, and so he started forcing the Israelites into slavery and had the, the Israelites build these cities as a, like storehouse type of cities um, where he, he would just store goods. Well, um, over the course of time, you know, hundreds of years pass, the, the, the Israelites have grown to 2 million people, and they're just... They're being driven by a very, very cruel Pharaoh. And so God knows that. He hears the Israelites crying out. And and this is the moment where God is calling Moses to solve that problem. God is calling Moses to say, hey, Moses, I know this is happening with the Israelites, and I'm calling you to to make a difference. I'm calling you to go there and do something about this. And I'm going to point out uh, four things in this passage of Scripture. I've, I've underlined the verses But I'm going to point out four things that I think is important that all of us understand. Letter A, write this down. I want you to notice the discovery is the word we're going to put there, the discovery. Notice the discovery. And this comes in um, in verse 6, when God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And and what what God is doing at this point, he's, he's revealing himself to Moses, He's saying, Moses, I'm not just a talking bush. I am God. I am God. He's revealing himself to Moses. He's saying to Moses, Moses, I want you to discover who I am. I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. And and what I've seen out out of really all of our lives, in fact, I don't think that you would be in this room today unless you've also heard the voice of God trying to reveal himself to you, trying, and you're, you're there thinking, I want to discover who God really is. And, and you know, even though I know who God is now, I'm still discovering more about God all the time. Do we ever fully know God? Not, not in this world, not in this life, no. No, because he's bigger than we could ever imagine. His, his, his entire being is greater than you could ever fathom, that's for sure. But he wants us nonetheless to know him, just to know him. 
And you'll see this in Scripture over and over and over again that God reveals himself to people. In fact, I want, I want to call your attention to something. Even as Jesus are calling the disciples, remember he's, he's, he's just at the very beginning. Not, I mean, he hasn't even performed really a miracle as of yet. And he goes uh, to several places and he looks at people and he just says, Hey, I want you to follow me. You could say it like this. Jesus is saying, hey, I just want you to get to know who I am. I just want you to be around me. I want you, I want you to know me. So follow me. Hang out with me. Be with me. And you're going to discover who I am. And we, we see this progression all through Scripture, that, that God wants us to discover who he is. Then the second thing is the deliverance. Notice the deliverance. This is verse 5. This is what we've already talked about, so I'll keep this short. What God said to Moses as he's approaching the bush, he said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And remember, we said that sandals are always representative of defilement, meaning that the the sandals that Moses was wearing were sandals that had gone in the, that that had been traveling the world, like traveling the devil, you could say like this, traveling the devil's domain. And and they have been defiled by the world. And he's coming into the presence of God. And God says, no, 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 no. You're you're coming in here. And and what's on you is representative of the the defilement that you've walked through in this life. In fact, the defilement that's even in your heart. And I want you to take those sandals off. And I want you to throw them to the side. Because right now you're standing, standing in the presence of not just God. But you're standing on holy Ground, ground that has been set apart, ground that is not defiled by the world. And, and it's really a moment of cleansing. It's a, you could say it this way, everybody. It's a moment of deliverance. Remember, we also talked about Isaiah, and that was really the point a, a week or two ago. We were talking about Isaiah. And Isaiah has a problem because he, he said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the glory of the Lord was there. And he, he's like, whoa, whoa I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. And, and, and then an angel took the coal from the altar, remember that? And he, and he touched the lips of Isaiah, and it, and it was his way of saying, no, you're clean now. You're, you're clean, you're, ho- you're, you're set apart, you're holy. You're holy now. And again, we see that all through Scripture. Remember, we talked about Paul in the New Testament, who was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus. Jesus revealed himself. He discovered who Jesus really was. And then a few days later, Ananias came and prayed for him. And the the scales fell off of Saul's eyes, who would eventually become Paul. and, And he was able to see. And that was just indicative of the lies that Paul had believed about Jesus He was being cleansed. He was being washed. He was being delivered of that mindset of those lies. And then he embraced truth. And of course, he was filled with the Holy Spirit that day. He was was delivered. He was delivered. Then I'm going to show you this more places in Scripture. Then we have, I want you to notice the dilemma. This is verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. That's God talking. And he's saying, hey, hey, listen, Moses, I, this is who I am. I want you to take off your sandals. I, I want you to be clean in front of me. I want you to be set free from, from the things of this world. And now I want, you to, I want you to look around. Don't you see it, Moses? Don't you see the dilemma? Don't you see the problem? 
And God is saying, Moses, I do. I see the problem. Do you see the problem? And Moses, of course, he knows full well the problem. Remember, he used to walk among the, the Israelites when they were in captivity before he fled to Midian. He knew the problem full well. He knew the dilemma full well. So God points that out. And then, of course, after, after knowing the dilemma, there, there's the delegation. Notice the delegation in verse 10 where God says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Like, okay, Moses, Moses, you see the dilemma. You're my delegate. I want you to solve this problem. Remember, we saw that in, in the life of Isaiah too. Remember, God revealed himself to Isaiah. He cleansed Isaiah, but he touched the, the coal to Isaiah's mouth. And then, and then there's the dilemma. God's looking around and saying, hey, I've got a word to give, but I need a prophet. I need somebody to speak for me. And there's the dilemma. I don't have anybody that's going to speak. And Isaiah answers, and he says, God, here, here am I. I'm here. I'll be your delegate. I'll go for you. And what happens? God says, okay, you're the one. Now go. And, and, and Moses is standing here and saying, Moses, do you see the problem? And Moses says, yeah, I see the problem. And God says, now, now go. You're my delegate. When it comes to Paul, Paul, of course, he, he's been delivered. He, he comes to know Jesus. He's been delivered. And, and then he sees a dilemma. And the dilemma is nobody's preaching Jesus to the Gentiles. They're only preaching Jesus to the Jews. And God reveals the dilemma to Paul. And Paul says, okay, God, I, I'll, I'll go to the Gentiles. I'm not above that. I'll do what you've called me to do. As long as it's for the glory of your name and the expansion of your kingdom, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Do you see it, everybody? And you see that over and over and over in Scripture, that people discover who God is, and they are delivered, they're set free, and then they see a dilemma, and they understand that they're, 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 they're the delegate that they're the one who's been called to solve that problem. You've heard me say this uh, in, in times past, and I'm saying it again because it's still true, that you are the solution. God created you. New song, every single one of you. God created you as the solution to a problem. When God created you, he had a problem in mind, but you weren't the problem. That's the good news. You were the answer to the problem. Now, some of you, you created problems, didn't you? Like, oh, Pastor, you don't know me very well. I was, Woo, I was the problem. Well, God doesn't want you to be the problem anymore. In fact, he wants you to know him. He wants you to discover who he is, and he wants to deliver you. He wants you to find freedom. And by the way, when you're finding freedom, what I have found out and what I know to be true in the word of God is that when you find freedom and deliverance, it is actually something that occurs throughout the entirety of your life. It's something that occurs throughout the, the entirety of your life. But the problem is, a lot of people... They get stuck in that area. Well, I just need to be delivered, and I need to be set free, and I need to find freedom, and I can't go do that because I have this going on, I have this going on, and I have this going on. And I... 
this going on, and they just get stuck right there. And, and can I tell you something? If, if men and women had to be perfect in order to be called pastor, if they had to be perfect first in order to be called pastor, I promise you there would, never be, there would not be one pastor in this entire world. Not one. Because every man or woman of God is still finding freedom in some area. God is still, here it is, everybody, the big theological word of the day. God is still sanctifying them. He's still doing a work in them. And if you're waiting for you, you to be perfect before you do something great for God, can I tell you, it's just not going to happen. You might as well go and do something great for, for God. I'll teach you more about that in just a second. Now we go to Ephesians 6. Let's skip forward a little bit. Because after, after Exodus chapter 3, after Exodus chapter 3, the beginning of this, the Moses, Moses sees the dilemma, and he knows that he's a delegate from God. He knows God's telling him to go. And Moses starts coming up with these excuses over and over. But God, I, I can't do it because, and I can't do it because, and I can't do it because, and can't you send somebody else? I mean, come on, God. It's not, surely it's not me. To the point... Where, where God, just in paraphrase here, where God says, Moses, would you just shut up? Actually, the Bible says that, that God's anger burned against Moses. Where it, it, in, in Justin's paraphrase, God's saying, Moses, shut your mouth. I know who you are. And I'm calling you anyway. You're still the delegate that I want. And I'll give you what you need. To accomplish the task that I've called you to accomplish. Everybody see that? Now, a lot of people would, would, would obviously, there, there have been entire four-week series just upon the excuses that Moses made, but that's not part of this series. But it's in there. And then we get to Exodus chapter 6. And, and what we have here is, is something that every person, if you've ever been through Next Steps, this is something that every single one of you have heard in next steps, and, and there was a time years ago that I taught this to the to the entire church, and I'm going to say it again because it really is the core vision, the core mission of our church comes from Exodus chapter six, verse six and seven. This is God speaking. He says, "Therefore, say to the Israelites." So He's still telling Moses exactly what to say. Say to the Israelites, "I am the Lord, and I will bring you out." Out from what? From under the yoke of the Egyptians. Like, I'm going to bring you out of that slavery. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Now, if you've gone through next steps, you already know, know this to be true, that even to this day, if people are, are uh, Jewish people, if they're really practicing Jews, every year they're going to celebrate a Passover Seder or a Passover meal. And in that meal, there are going to be four cups of wine that represent the four promises of God. And again, it still happens to this day. So as they are celebrating, as a, as, a, as a practicing Jew, as they're celebrating the Passover meal, which, by the way, is part of the story. Remember the last, the last plague out of the ten plagues that come against Pharaoh and Egypt in order to bring the Israelites. The last one is that, that God is going to kill the firstborn 
Mel, remember, and, and the Israelites had to go out and they had to sacrifice a lamb and they had to take the blood and spread it over their doorpost. That way, when the angel uh, came by, that if, if they saw the blood on the doorpost, they would pass by, they would pass over that house and those children would be supernaturally protected. How many know that that's in the Bible? It's in there, right? Okay, so that's the Passover. That's what they're celebrating. And it's part of this story of Moses. That's what they're celebrating. So we see this, that During the Passover Seder, the Passover meal, where they're celebrating God's deliverance, they have four cups of wine. And at each each part of this portion of Scripture, they'll read this portion of Scripture, and when they get to that one point, they'll raise a cup, and they'll celebrate, kind of like a toast, they'll celebrate what was just read. And, and, and they, have, they have names. These four cups have names. And the first one is the cup of sanctification. And right next to that, I just want you to write the words, know God. Now, most of you are going to know what the next three answers are. I'm just going to tell you up front. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And you're going to see that in these cups of promise. So they'll lift up a cup. The first cup they lift up is the cup of sanctification. Some people would call it the cup of salvation. And they read from Exodus 6, verse 6, and they repeat this verse that says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. I will save you. I will save you. The first thing that God wants to do in every single one of our lives And the life of every single person around the world is just to save them. He just wants them to know him. That's the first thing he wants to do every time, every time, every time. Why why did Jesus come? He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I just just came to save them. It's the first thing that God always wants to do. And what... What God wanted to do in Exodus chapter 6 is still exactly the same thing that God wants to do today. It's exactly the same. Nothing's changed. He said, I just want people to be saved. I just want them to know me. And everybody, that's that's why we exist, to help people know our Heavenly Father. We exist as passionately devoted followers of Christ to perpetuate the gospel of grace, to make Jesus known. That's why we exist, so that people can just get saved, so that they can know God. The second one is the cup of deliverance. Right there, you can write down, find freedom. And a lot of people would say this is the same thing. The first one was, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The second one that I've underlined there for you is, I will free you from being slaves to them. And you think that he's saying the same thing twice, but he's actually not. He's not saying the same thing twice. In fact, Jews, even practicing Jews today, know that, know that he's not saying the same, twice, the same thing twice because they have a second cup of promise for that statement, the cup of deliverance. And so they'll read that second statement and they know that it's different from the first one. The first one is all about salvation. The second one is all about deliverance. And we say it like this around here at New Song. The first one was, hey, Israelites... I'm going, to, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. 
I'm going to take, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to save you. I'm going to remove you. I'm going to take you out of Egypt. The second promise is, hey, now that you're out of Egypt, I've got to take Egypt out of you. Now you, because you've been in slavery for so long, you think like a slave. Your mindset is that of a slave, and I've got to remove that mindset from you. You've got to find some freedom in your life so you don't think the way you used to think. Because let's face it, everybody. I don't, know, I, I don't know about you, so I'm going to give you my story. When I, when I, I, I don't know how to say this. When I came to know Christ, I was just a little guy, seven years old, when I, when I got baptized. I was just seven years old, just a little guy. And, and I knew that I needed Jesus, though. I, I, I truly believe as a seven-year-old, I really gave my life to Christ. But then as I got older, I realized that I was saved, but I had issues. Did you realize that? Like, like if I were asking questions, it's like, how many of you, when you accepted Christ, every single addiction that you had was just washed away, and you've never even be, you've never even been tempted to sin one time since you accepted Christ. All of us would say, "You're nuts, Pastor." Right, right, right. It just doesn't happen, right? Because because God saves you. But you've been in the world long enough, you've been walking in darkness long enough that that darkness likes to hang on. It doesn't like to give up. And so, yeah, you're going to have a mindset like you used to have, and you're still going to have to battle those addictions. And God says, hey, hey, I I know you've been in the world for a long time, and I know you've been walking in darkness, and and I've saved you out of that, but now i got to get that mindset out of you. i I, got to set you free from those addictions that used to have you bound. Everybody see it? And that's the work that has to last really the course of our lives. Let me say it like this. There are certainly things in my life that I don't struggle with anymore, that God has just delivered me from, that I have found freedom in. But there are other things that God used to not deal with me about because apparently he was dealing with me about some other issues first. And when those issues got settled, all of a sudden some new issues brought up. And he says, now I need, you, I need you to focus on this for a little while. We're going to focus on this for a little while because you need freedom in this area of your life too. And I've come to find out that finding freedom is really the core. It's, it's the course of my entire life. It's the course of my entire life. The, the, again, the big word for that is sanctification. That once you've found freedom, you're going to continue to find freedom. Because you're going to continue to battle with the flesh. Everybody see how that works? You're going to continue to battle with the sin nature. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. And it's going to be a lifelong work in your life. The third cup is the the cup of redemption. And I'll underline that in in Exodus 6.6. He says, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Now, he's not talking about, he's not talking about, Outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment on you. He's talking about mighty acts of judgment on the enemy. So what he's telling about, he's telling the Israelites, hey, tell the Israelites that I will redeem them. And the way that I'm going to do it is there's going to be some mighty acts of judgment against the Egyptians. That's going to help you be truly free. How many know that God definitely judged the Egyptians? Have you ever heard about the Red Sea? Let's just say there's more than just one or two people that drowned that day. An entire Egyptian army washed away. Why? It's a mighty act of, it was, it was a mighty act of judgment 
against the ones who were oppressing God's chosen people. And he said, listen, 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 I'm going I, I to help you. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to do it by destroying your enemy. Can I tell you something? You have a very real enemy in your life. It is the devil and his demons. But their, their future has already been written. Like, like, okay, one of these days, everybody, one of these days, the devil and, all, and demonic forces will, I, I promise you, will answer for the havoc that they have wreaked in all of our lives. And they will be eternally punished by God. It will be a mighty act of judgment against our enemy. And by the way, that's against our enemy. We're going to be living in victory for all of eternity. Isn't that good news? That, that that history is all, I mean, our future is already history in the eyes of God. Our future is already history in the eyes of God. And one of these days, everybody, we're not going to have an enemy any longer. And we'll be able to enjoy the Lord in purity. In, in innocence, we'll be able to enjoy his presence for all of eternity. Isn't that good news, everybody? That our, our enemy is conquered already. He's already conquered. He's already conquered. He's saying, I will redeem you. And what that means is, what that means is, I'm going to put you back in the place of your purpose. Like, like you thought you lost your purpose, but I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to put you back in a place where your purpose in your life is going to still be fulfilled. Redemption is going to take place. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. You know, it reminds me of scripture. The Bible says that the call of God is without repentance, meaning God never looks at any one of us and regrets calling us to live for his glory. Whatever that calling is, he never looks at you and says, oh man, I made a mistake. God never makes mistakes, does he? So he never looks at you and says, oh, totally goofed up on that one. He never says that. So what have you been called to do? Can I tell you something? You're still called. Well, pastor, I... I've done a lot. It's been years since I truly followed after Christ. I don't care. Start today. And I promise you that calling is still there. Well, maybe I've done too much. No, God wants to redeem you. It's, it was his plan in Exodus chapter 6, and it's still his plan today. He wants to redeem you. He wants, he wants you to discover your purpose. And he says, and you still have one. That purpose never went away. It's still there. It's still accessible. I'll still lead you in that direction if you just follow me. That, that everybody, is the grace of God. That's the grace of God. The call of God is without repentance. The call of God is without repentance. Then there's a fourth cup, and this is the, the cup of praise, the cup of praise. And that line, you should have written the, 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 the note, make a difference, make a difference. It is the cup of praise. Some would call it the cup of fulfillment. And in and, and, and the Jewish Seder, the Jewish Passover meal, the head of the household would actually lift up a cup and, and he would quote, quote Exodus 6, 7, who says, which says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And it, it, it's, a, it's a, a cup of fulfillment or cup of praise. That it, let me say it like this. It's a cup of completion. It's a cup of completion. It, it means when, when people truly surrender their life to Christ, they, they find freedom there and they discover their purpose. And all of a sudden, God says, listen, you're, you're everything to me and I, I'll be everything 
for you and I will take you as my own and you will live the most fulfilled life that you could ever live. You're going to live a life of praise. You're going to live a life of praise. You're going to find fulfillment. Can I tell you something? You'll never, you'll never know what true fulfillment is. We say it this way here at New Song. You'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve someone else. As long, let me say it like this. As long as you focus on your own life, you'll never really truly feel fulfilled. If you just live for you, you'll never truly be fulfilled. Can I, can I tell you something? This is the last thing I want you to write down. This is letter B. God's promises are always, 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 every single time meant for my good and the good of others. The promises of God are always meant for your good and the good of others. Always meant for your good and the good of others. Why? Because God is always living for our benefit. Now put your sermon notes away. I just want to share a few things with you, a few thoughts with you before we, before we go today. Let me say it like this, first of all. It is so extremely difficult to focus on yourself when your focus is on God and others. Let let me say it another way. When you're loving God with all of your heart and you're loving others, which is, by the way, the first and second commandments, the, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love others, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And I promise you, it is so difficult. If you're loving God with all you have and you're loving others with all you have, it, it, with all you have, it's really tough to focus on yourself when you're living life the way that God wants you to live life. Let, let, let me break this down for you even more. That there are only four things that God wanted to do in the Israelites. There were only four things that he wanted to do. He wanted them to know him. He wanted them to find freedom. He wanted them to know their purpose. He wanted to redeem them. And he wanted them to make a difference. He wanted them to live for the glory of his name. He wanted them to live a life of fulfillment, of joy. And it's the same thing that God wants to do in all of us today. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. In fact, no matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord, I promise you this, no matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord, you either need to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, or make a difference. That, that, that's, that's where you are. And if you're living your life to make a difference, then you're also living a life of fulfillment. You're living a life of praise to God. And you're fulfilled in what you do. And it's all throughout the scripture. In fact, I had so many places where I could take you today and just end with a final thought. And I, I can show you, I can show you so many times in scripture with so many people throughout the, the scriptures that it's the same, it's the same thing that happens over God over and over again. They know God, they find freedom, they discover the purpose, and they live to make a difference. Over and over and over again. All the disciples, they came to know Jesus, they found freedom, they discovered their purpose, and they lived to make a difference. All of them. You just go throughout the entire Bible, and you're going to see that paradigm of ministry over and over and over again. Now, I was going to show you that in the Lord's Prayer, but I decided to end this with showing you that in, in, in the Great Commission. Can you hang with me just for a couple more minutes? Because in the Great Commission, we see this in Matthew chapter 28. 
that you know all of Jesus' ministry has happened. He's already died on the cross. He was raised to new life. He's about to, to ascend to the heavenly Father, to sit at the, the hand of, of God the Father, the right hand of God the Father. And he, he, these are kind of the last words of Jesus before his ascension into heaven. And he, 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 he tells his disciples, I want to read this to you. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has, listen to it. Hey, hey, disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like, let me say that a different way. Disciples, that's, that's something you need to know about me. I want you to discover that about me. I want you to know me in that way. Hey, guys, all authority. heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we would be sitting like, see, he wants us to know him. And Jesus, before he gives the great commission, he says, no, 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 guys, I want you to know me. I, I want you to even know more about me. Even now, I want you to know me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always at the very end of the age. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose is all right there. I'm going to prove that to you. Part of what he says is, I want, I want you to go and I want you to teach them, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So he's not just talking about them, he's also talking about you. He's also he's not just talking about them, he's also talking about me. And when I obey every command, what does that produce in my life? Freedom. Freedom. Freedom from the lies of the enemy and the schemes of the enemy and deception of the enemy. If I'm living out the, 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 the commands of Jesus Christ because of my love for Jesus, I'm truly free. I'm free. The, the Bible says it's his truth that sets us free. What is the truth? It's the word of God. If I live according to the word of God, I'm free. And he's like, hey, I want you to live according to my word, I want you to live according to the things that I've told you about. Everybody see that? And, and then he says in this phrase, therefore go and make disciples of all nations and, I, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, he's, hey, listen, I want you to discover there's a dilemma out there. There's a, there's a dilemma. There are some people who have not been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's some people who don't know me. That's the problem. So they've discovered who Jesus is, right? They've discovered who he is. They've been delivered. They've already are experiencing freedom as they're obedient to Christ. And he says, but here's the dilemma. The dilemma is there's some people out there that don't know me. And now, therefore, go and make disciples. Like, guys, now I, I delegate you. 
to go solve that dilemma. I, I delegate you. You're the solution to that problem. A new song, can I tell you? I could show you that example over and over and over again where, where we discover who God is. We are delivered from our sins and continuously delivered from our sins. And then we see a dilemma. He opens our eyes to something. We see something that needs to be done for the glory of his name or the expansion of his kingdom. And then he, looks, he, he, he speaks to us if we would just listen. And he whispers to us. He says, therefore, go. In fact, multiple times in scriptures, he doesn't say, therefore, he says, now go. Well, I'll, I'll go when I get my life in order. No, no, no. Now go. Go. Well, well, Jesus, I, I still got a lot of issues. I, I, I know you need to get your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on me and put your eyes on others. Now go. Because it's pretty, it's pretty tough to fall into sin when you're following wholeheartedly after me, Jesus would say. And when you're living to love me and to love others, it's really hard to fall into sin. So now go. When? Now. Now. So there's some people in this room, you've been called, and maybe you ran away from the call, and you say, well, I'm not called anymore. That's a lie. You are called. You are called. And maybe God is still dealing with you some issue, with some issues in your life. Great. Great. Let him deal with those issues in your life, and he'll put, no doubt, he'll put somebody around you to help you with those issues in, in your life. At the same point, he's going to... He's going to show you. He's going to show all of us a dilemma. He's going to show us a problem. And when we see it, and when we listen to him, he's going to say, now go. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. If you say, well, I, Pastor, I, I'm just one of those people that I don't, I don't know my calling. Well, go to Next Steps. The first Sunday in April, Go to Next Steps, and we're going to teach you how to discover your calling. We're not going to call you. It's God's call. We're just going to help you to discover your purpose. That's why Next Steps exists. 1045, the first Sunday in April, just be in the Next Steps room. And we'll, we'll announce it before then. You'll hear it more. That's why we're here, to help you. Some of you are just like, well, I've already went through Next Steps, and I just still, I still don't really know. What, what is going, what's going undone in, in this church? What's going undone in this city? What's going undone in this community or this county? What, what's going undone in your world? What do you look at and you're like, wow, that's not right. Somebody needs to do something about that. And when you have that moment and you see the dilemma, you're probably going to hear God say, now, go. Now go. Well, pastor, that's going to be hard. That's, that's, a, that's a step of faith. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know about those. I, I moved to Plymouth. My wife and I moved to Plymouth with two very young boys as my wife was pregnant with our third in order to start a church, everybody. And when we first started our church, it was really just a small group of people we didn't know. I know what a step of faith is all about. I know. But I also know what I also know what the reward of following is all about too. I also know how God 
has brought so much fulfillment in my life because I said, here I am, God. You can send me, and I'll go. There's some people in this room that's called into ministry. You don't even know it. There are some missionaries in this room, and you don't even know you're a missionary yet. There's some evangelists in this room. You don't even know you're an evangelist yet. You haven't discovered it, but God's going God's to show you something. And we're going we're gonna to pray today that God will give us open eyes and open ears so that we would see the dilemma and that we would hear his voice when he delegates us, when we become a delegate to go solve that problem. Would you stand up with me today? I'd like you just to close your eyes just for a moment. And, um, and, and today, I, I want to tell you this right off the, the bat. Actually, you don't have to close your eyes yet. Right off the bat, I want to tell you that as we pray, if you, and if you want to come down to this, this altar, it's always open. We have an altar call every single Sunday. Like You can come down here any Sunday that you want and just pray around these altars. And our prayer team members will see that you're here. And if you come here standing, they'll probably ask you, hey, what can I pray for? For you about if you're if you're up here kneeling they'll just put their their hand on your shoulder and they'll, they'll just pray with you because sometimes we, we don't want people to get in the way of what God just wants to do with in you and he doesn't have to use us and so if you come up here and kneel we'll just pray with you but if you come up here and stand no doubt we'll come around and just say hey what what can we pray with you about and that's up to you and as we pray as we're closing our eyes today just, just make your way out and just come on down. Nobody will be looking at you. It's all right. And if they, even if they do, who cares? I mean, seriously, who cares? We're talking about spending time with the God of creation. I don't care what you think about that, everybody. If, like, how do I say this? I'm, I'm here for God. I'm not here to impress you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm here to get something from God. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, I don't live to impress you guys. I, I want to receive something from God. And, and if that's you, if you say, well, I'm a little embarrassed, but don't be embarrassed. We've all, we've all fell to our knees in front of God at some point and called upon his name. I promise you that. And today's just your day. And you can just come down while we're praying, or maybe as everybody's exiting today, and you say, you know what, I still want to spend some time with Jesus. We're, we're going to just have the keyboard just keep playing. Stephanie's going to keep playing. And you just come down here and pray. And you might want to come now. If you want to come later, that's fine. Prayer team, just be aware of who's around here and who's up here, and you guys can come and pray for them or with them. Well, let's ask God to show us the dilemma. And let's be sincere in our relationship with Christ to the point that we say, here, God, I'm here, and you can send me, and I'll take that step of faith. Let's do it right now. Heavenly Father, there's some people in this room that already know you're calling upon their life. And they've just been running away from it. If that's your new song, could you just call out to God and just repent of that? And, and, and that's so easy. Just, Father, forgive me. I've been running away from your calling, and I don't want to do that. I know the, I know the solution. I, I know I'm the solution to a problem. I know the problem that you've called me to solve. I don't want to run away from you anymore. So today I'm surrendering my life to you. And I'll answer the call. Strengthen me, Lord, to answer the call. And for those in this room that 
you just don't know what your call is, I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray that you would give new song for every single person in this room who doesn't know their calling. Lord, I pray that you'd give them eyes to see and ears to hear. That you would supernaturally reveal the dilemma, the problem that they're called to solve. That they would see it so clearly and that they would be energized at the thought of solving that problem. Whatever it is, no matter how small we think it is, Lord, we know that your calling is never small. That it's a big thing to be called of God, even to do what some would consider a small thing. Your calling is never small. So Lord, I pray that you would open up the eyes of new singers and open up their ears to see and to hear what you would have them do for the glory of your name. And Father, I pray for every person in this room who's dealing with guilt, who's saying, I just haven't found enough freedom in my life. God, I just declare over them victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Supernatural deliverance, Lord, let it be theirs. Cleanse all of us of everything that would keep us from living for your glory and help us to focus on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I'm convinced when we love you with everything and we love others the way that you've called us to, that we, that that would keep our attention exactly where it needs to be. And we would just supernaturally be able to walk away from every temptation, every distraction, everything that would keep us from obeying you. So Lord, I guess my prayer is that you would help us to love you with all of our heart, first and foremost, and love our neighbors as ourselves. We know that if we just do those two things, that we're going to live life right. And that's the choice that we're making today. We take our eyes off of us, and we focus on you and focus on others. And Lord, I pray that your kingdom would be expanded in this community, in this county, in this state, in this nation, and in this world as we live for the glory of your name. Lord, we want to make a difference in the world. Forgive us for selfishness. Forgive us for our narcissism, for, for being egotistical and prideful and those selfish desires that we've had, Father, forgive us. We don't want to live that way. We want to follow wholeheartedly after you. We want to be known as passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So thank you for saving us, for delivering us. Thank you, Lord, that you're helping us discover our purpose so that we can make a difference. And we pray that at the end of it all, your name would be praised in us and through us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to 
www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.